millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Ad News Podcast, the podcast that celebrates the industry's penchant for a sociable drop and a chat. Welcome to the Ad News Podcast, produced for us by Nova. This is a special edition of our podcast from our Ad News Live Reframing Australia event. Good morning, everyone. I'm Rosie Baker. I'm the editor of Ad News. I'd like to welcome you all here to this brand new Ad News Live event, Reframing Australia. Firstly, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Val Morgan, and our supporting sponsors, Epoch Times and MultiConnections. As you can see, a bit of housekeeping. There is a hashtag this morning behind me, so please do use that. So I wanted to start this morning by talking about the genesis of the idea for this event. Ad News Live is intended to offer a highly relevant event in response to market trends that we see happening. We've noticed more and more agencies and marketers talking about how to tackle marketing to a multicultural audience. And when the census results came out earlier this year, it became even more apparent that the perception of traditional demographics of Australia that we tend to lean towards doesn't actually match the picture coming out of the data. So we thought that those perceptions needed a little bit of reframing. So here's a few stats to start. One in four households in Australia doesn't speak English at home. More than one in four Aussies was born overseas. And same-sex couples have increased 39% between this census and the last. And the impending results of the postal survey today will hopefully be a watershed moment. You'll hear some much more interesting and much more surprising stats than those throughout the morning. And while that's the reality of modern Australia that you and your brands are speaking to, if we're honest, we often look around at media and marketing events and we don't see that multiculturalism reflected back at us. And we rarely see it reflected back at us on the screens in TV content in the ads that we see. So in the last 18 months, driven by the content that we see on Australian screens, in our media and also in perhaps in response to the volatile political climate, there have been increased calls to reflect the true face of Australia in media and advertising not just in terms of output, but also in terms of the internal cultures. Agencies are starting to think about the types of people they hire to adequately represent the country you live in, but we need to accelerate it. And what we're talking about here isn't just a nice-to-have diversity initiative, there's a business imperative too. According to Nielsen figures, in the next five years, ethnic Australian spend will grow at a faster rate than their Australian-born counterparts, accounting for a 4.4 billion in incremental revenue. Grocery spend for ethnic Australians is growing at a rate 1.8 times faster than all Australians, and Asian-born Australian spend is growing at 4.7 times faster than average. Agencies that we spoke to in preparation for this event estimated that consumer spending from ethnic markets in Australia is valued at $95 billion per year. That's vast, and brands that do not engage the wider population stand to lose out. Today's speakers work at the coalface of this issue every day, 
but they aren't just in advertising and media. Our keynote speaker, Maureen Farooqi, is Australia's first Muslim MP and campaigns on issues of diversity every day. We're delighted to have her open our event as the perfect scene setter, working with the wider Australian community outside of our media bubble. Hakan Harman, CEO of Multicultural New South Wales, will deliver a myth-busting session calling us out on some of our perceptions of Australian society and what it really means to be Australian. Meat and Livestock is one brand that has been pushing the boundaries of incl inclusivity and diversity in its ads, so we're delighted that the MLA and the Monkeys are here today to talk us through how their campaign is unique in the market and how they got to the creative ground that they did. We'll also take a look at on-screen diversity in our first panel, and our final session of the day will be a live workshop. We've pre-retted three real brand challenges, and our panel will live problem-solve them on the stage, offering solutions to the marketing challenges and how to get that message in front of Australia's super diverse population. So stick around for that one. And as I said, there is a hashtag today, so please do use that. And you can catch up with the content online after the event on our website, and we'll be turning some of today's sessions into podcasts. So with that, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our first speaker, who will offer an opening address and then a Q&A with George Pesuto, the founder of Global Media Solutions. Thank you. Thank you, Rosie. Good morning, everyone. I would like to start by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land we're gathered on, the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to the elders past and present. This land always has been and always will be Aboriginal land. And I am so delighted to be here, so thank you very much for inviting me. Um, as Rosie mentioned, we have perhaps one of the most multicultural countries on earth. We have over 270 ancestries. We live and work alongside and on the land of the oldest living culture in the world. And more than 25% of us, including myself, were born overseas. We speak over 300 languages, and more than one in five of us speak a language other than English at home. I speak Urdu and Punjabi at home, even when my children sometimes don't understand it. People from hundreds of countries from almost every corner of the world have made this land home. And our society is full of diversity, richness, and prosperity. So I guess my question to you today is, where are all these wonderful, colorful people? Where are they in our media? Where are they in our advertising? And where are they in our politics? When I look at the television, or when I listen to the radio, or even read the newspaper, I hardly see anyone remotely looking like me, like my children or my family. How can it be that multicultural Australia lives and breathes on the streets of Sydney, of Newcastle, of Perth, every city you can think of, but disappears as soon as we turn on the television or we open a magazine or a newspaper. I came to Australia as a migrant 25 years ago from Pakistan, and this is where my children have grown up, this is where I've studied, this is where I've worked all my life, and I now have the privilege of representing you all in New South Wales Parliament. And things, I have to say, are definitely better than they were 25 years ago in terms of representation. But if I can be frank, that isn't saying a lot. I do worry that our depiction of multiculturalism in Australia is still really one-dimensional. It is the same portrayal that we have always seen of families having barbecues or at the beach, but now 
you might see one or two token brown or Asian faces in those same environments. This is, in my view, not representation. This is just ticking a box. It's not enough to substitute few diverse actors and call it a day. If one in four of us are born overseas, why does almost every media depiction of this difference have accents that are more Crocodile Dundee than Lee Lin Chin or my accent here today? I think this is symptomatic of a multiculturalism that is only still quite skin deep. And I am concerned that we as a country only recognize the advantages of multiculturalism in the amazing variety of food, or we cherry pick you know, cultural practices and the economic contributions that migrant communities make. Of course, these are all important benefits that can't be ignored, but we need to commit to the intrinsic value of multiculturalism, even when it doesn't come with the new and exciting food the Bollywood song and dance. We need to ensure that the living culture of our first peoples and of different migrant communities is an essential part of the Australian fabric. We have to move past the shallowness of embracing multiculturalism on Australia's terms and begin to explore the complexities of this experience. And I think that's why we are all here today, and that's where you all come in, because we need to move beyond tokenism to reality and to authenticity. The media industry tells Australian stories, and often it does it really well, but only for certain Australians, not for all. I know that this is primarily an advertising forum, but the rules are the same, I think, for you as well. You know the power of advertising, whether you're promoting a social message, a health product, or indeed a political party. We relate to people who could be us, who look like us, who dress like us, who talk like us. And for young people in particular, being able to see someone like them in politics or in media or even just on television is quite powerful. I am amazed, I have to say, every single day and really surprised and quite humbled by the number of for example, young women from a subcontinental background who come over to me and tell me how proud they feel that there is someone in parliament that looks like them, that they can identify with. So when you portray a person of color, even advertising, think about what role you are creating in casting them. You are shaping, you're showing and influencing how young people see their culture, how young people see their families and friends, as they are growing up. And if they see their culture mocked or shown in a rather cringeworthy manner on TV, it is more likely that they'll run away from it. They might even be alienated from it. And for some, it's also a challenge to their identity when they see these stereotypes. And they will certainly run from any product associated with the stereotypes and perceptions that they negotiate in the schoolyard or on the streets. Just before this conference, I had a quick look at some of the current advertising by the Australian government. And the main one that grabbed my eye was a campaign called Girls Make Your Move, which encourages young girls to be involved in sport. And there is certainly diversity in the ads with several girls from ethnic backgrounds. But there is no depth to it. The visuals represent their skin color, but not their culture. 
And the way these girls are represented, you could substitute a white person in and it would make no difference to the advertising at all. And when diversity isn't represented, it isn't an oversight. At some level, there is a decision made to exclude a vast number of Australians. You are then left with representing a certain type of Australia. Maybe that Australia is the advertising world, but it is not the Australia that the majority of us live in. I know that I might be being a bit hard on you, but rest assured, your industry isn't the only one copying this kind of flack. In my experience, almost everyone is having trouble with diversity in this country, from parliaments to boardrooms to engineering and academia. And I say that with some legitimacy, being a civil engineer and having worked in that industry and having worked as an academic as well at the University of New South Wales and now as an MP in New South Wales Parliament. All these places struggle with not just gender inequality, but also representation of diversity. It is definitely encouraging, though, to see conferences like this one today, where these issues hopefully are going to be discussed quite openly. I do realize that I have given you a litany of problems, so it's only fair to offer some solutions as well. So what does representation look like to me? It looks like what you see outside on the streets. It looks like Bankstown, it looks like Chatswood, it looks like Blacktown. And it would be great to mirror Australian society. But I think we have also to be careful in how we do it. Don't whitewash us and make us just another shade of throw the shrimp on the Barbie stereotype. It's okay for people to have accents on TV and in advertising. It's okay to depict people celebrating their culture. And it's okay to show us eating our traditional food, whether it's biryani or dal. I want to see a world where someone of Asian, Indian, African, or Aboriginal descent is cast not for their ethnicity, but for their talent. A world where the characters, actors of color play, have enough depth to move beyond stereotypes. And I know that it sounds like a lot to fit in a 30-second commercial, but it can be done, and it can be done well. I mean, all of you are much more talented and creative than I am, and I have no doubt you can do this once you put your mind to it. And this is not just a moral or ethical question. It is a business one for you. People of color, women, LGBTQI, and other people who are not currently being represented don't have to suck it up any longer. They will go elsewhere because you are, of course, competing in a global environment. And there are people already doing it better than we are. Research from Deakin University has shown that Australians from diverse cultural backgrounds are much more likely to rely on social media and other online sources than on traditional media. Australians born overseas watch less television and are more likely to visit online news and social media sources than Australians born here. So they are simply going elsewhere. Last June, PricewaterhouseCoopers Price put out their 15th annual Australian Entertainment and Media Outlook, which specifically focused on the need for Australian entertainment and media industry to grow. It concluded that 82.7%, yep, that's right, almost 83% of the national entertainment and media workforce are monolingual, 
speaking only English at home, and that the lack of diversity in Australia's media and entertainment workforce in terms of ethnicity, gender, age, and thinking is dragging on the industry's growth. I do also want to touch on what happens behind the cameras. How many of your creatives, your writers, your producers, and directors are people of color or come from diverse communities? A lack of diversity on screen tends to reflect and I think result from a lack of diversity off screen in writers' rooms, pitch meetings, and executive suites. So please do look at your hiring practices as well when you have your discussion today, and down the entirety of the creative pipeline to avoid the need to inject that appearance of diversity right at the end of this very long chain of well-financed campaign processes. Do it as core business. Ultimately, it is you and your colleagues that craft the Australian narratives. You all, each day, make the calls about how you portray people. And it is far easier to know when you are relying on yet another tired stereotype of people with experience and understanding of those stereotypes are making those creative decisions. So please do show us in all our glory, but not as caricatures. We have many good examples from overseas of what the media and advertising industries can do to improve the current situation. And as Benjamin Law pointed out, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation has diversity enshrined in its charter. The BBC has a specific fund to foster diverse talent. Britain's Channel 4 docks the pay of executives who don't reach diversity targets in hiring practices. And throughout the United States, there are diversity officers in the film and TV industries whose sole job is to ensure that hiring practices are diverse. We do have some initiatives in Australia. The ABC and SBS certainly have diversity policies, and the Screen Diversity and Inclusion Network has launched in July this year. This is all really positive and really excellent step forwards, but we are not yet there as there are really no benchmarks that have been set. But what about your industry, the advertising industry? How are you going to set the benchmarks that make advertising more diverse in a meaningful way? How will you be more effective in fulfilling your role as storytellers? I hope that you can have these conversations with real gusto today, because the days of tokenism are truly over. And it is time for us all to live up to our responsibilities in proudly owning and showing the immense multiplicity of Australian stories. Thank you. And I'd like to now in, uh, invite George Pesuto, and the both of us are going to have a bit of a conversation and a Q&A with you. I'd like to invite you to the, yeah. to the question couch. <laughs> Thank you, George. <laughs> Thank you, Marie. That was um, oh, very privileged to, to have your insight, and I, I think we'd be hard-pressed to find somebody else in Australia with greater credentials to speak on this matter. So you didn't really talk about the political environment that you work in every day. You touched on it a little bit, but I just thought, before we take um, uh, questions from the audience, that I would just ask whether what's happening in politics? Is, it, is there more banter than action in terms of dealing with diversity? I just, I'm not quite sure if you're aware, but most of the governments around Australia, whether it be state or federal, have a mandate to spend 7 to 10% of budgets on ethnic media or reaching the diverse communities. Mm -hmm. So in terms of politics, I 
Yes, I sit in a chamber where I was sitting till 1 a.m. this morning, where there are only nine women out of 42 members. I mean, to me, in 2017, that is mind-boggling. And let's not even talk about the diversity. It amazed me that in 2013, when I was elected, uh, and this is something the media picked up. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It, it didn't even um, kind of come to me that I was the first Muslim woman to ever be elected to any parliament in Australia. I think that's, that tells a story in itself. Mm. Um, and I, I, I think it's important to see faces like yourselves in, in those places. And one reason why we don't talk about these things is because those views aren't there in parliaments. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of talk, but there is very little action, to mm. be really frank. We'll take, it's very difficult for me to say, but we'll take questions from the audience. I might just pick, on, pick up on one of your uh, points, which I agree with totally, and that's the tokenism in media. And how uh, the diverse in how diversity is depicted, and I I tried to think back to a an Australian drama that actually depicted in a main character someone with an accent, and I could be wrong. I don't watch every program, but I had to go back to the Sullivans in the 70s, where they had a I German family that eventually went to jail. <laughs> no, it'll be beyond a lot of the people in this audience. But um, and then thinking about. Programs like my favourite, Gogglebox, and, uh, which has no right to be the best show on TV, but it is. <laughs> and, and even fast food now. But if we look at things like Roy Morgan Research, the ethnic communities aren't resonating. And it makes me wonder whether these are... We're using ethnicity and diversity in media really for the same reasons we did all of this time, back to programs I won't mention now because I'm far too old, but um, programs where it's for almost comic relief, I'm mm. sad to say, mm. but that's, that's how we're seeing diversity. And that, that's probably the sad, you know, neighbours, why can't we see somebody befriend someone from Pakistan with a strong Pakistan, uh, Punjabi accent? Mm. Yeah, I agree. And when, I, you know, when we were having a chat, you mentioned the show called Mind the Language, which probably many <laughs> people don't know here. I know I was talking to one of my staff members about it and he said, what? What was that? But that was a show, British show, which yes. I guess depicted the multicultural communities from my background as literally caricatures. And I don't think we have moved much beyond that in Australia. I find it really difficult to swallow, I have to say, mm -hmm. because you look at the UK now and you look at even the US, um, I think they've moved on far faster than we have. So you probably have the answers to why we haven't done that. Uh, but sure, I haven't seen much of Gogglebox, but I do. <laughs> I have seen the other show, the fast food fight. Fast food fight. Yes. I, I do think that the, the I think it's a Lebanese family. Yes. That's in there. That's not 
for me, that's not too bad. Yeah. It seems quite authentic. And um, so I think that's a good step mm. forward. But I still feel that characters are put there at the end just to tick that diversity box. Mm. There are, so I know that in um, actual um, live drama, there is much more diversity mm. than there is in television. I have seen um, theatre companies here that are, you know, subcontinental background, Indian or Pakistani, and they do amazing work. Mm. But that's, they somehow haven't, haven't cut it through to advertising and television. Yeah. But I, I think it might be good to even, you know, my question to you is, is, there, is it a business decision that you're not doing it? Is there a hesitation there that, um, you know, people may not buy that product or, or like that advertisement because you put someone like me in there? I don't know. Mm. I don't know the answer to that. Well, controversially, I've been asked, I think I mentioned this to you, I've been asked before to find, to source Asian uh, potential reporters, but not to have an accent. Mm. And maybe go. we're not, not quite there yet. Mm. And um, the, if you jump into the uh, American Bureau of Statistics, you can actually filter by skin colour. Mm. I don't know whether that's good or bad. I don't it know whether that's a sign. makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know whether that's a sign of whether we're more mature or less. I'm not yeah. quite sure, but uh, anyway. Um, so I'll steal another question, if that's, if that's where we're going. I, we, we haven't talked about the ethnic media so much uh, in today, but uh, my role is as, as a marketing agent in, within ethnic media and international media. I think there's a long way to go from there, and I sort of sympathise with the advertising industry in trying to find the right paths. Now, one of the biggest, for example, one of the biggest uh, ethnic groups in, in Australia is the Indian community, and we don't have a daily newspaper for, for the Indian community. And we also have a lot of multi cultural agencies in between the media and mainstream media. And I don't know whether that's protecting ethnic media and not allowing them to progress as much as they should. I, what role does ethnic media have in, in all of this? Ethnic media should have a big role mm. in all of this, but the ethnic media that I come across as well, and Hakeem can probably talk a little bit more about it, um, it, it it's paper-based generally. Mm. And mostly if you you know, look through the newspapers that might come out monthly or weekly. It's a lot of uh, media releases from politicians. Yes. It's a lot of, po <laughs> you know, faces there. They, I think I would um, argue the same criticism that I have for the advertising industry, I have for the ethnic media as mm. well, that there is no depth to it, yeah. to be really frank. Um, so there is, there is huge talent. And why that talent isn't appearing in that mm. media, I think... Um, is, is really disappointing. Well, they're very strong in the community, aren't they? They're, I mean, there's no doubt about that. They're strong in the community, but I think there's a greater responsibility that ethnic media can take to, to help drive that. And also, I put on the, the multicultural agencies mm -hmm. to, to drive the benefits and reasons to marketers to, to be able to create the right messages. Like, why? Like, do we, if you run a mainstream campaign, it will still reach an ethnic community, mm. but will that message get through? And I think that's the learning that a lot of marketers in Australia need to understand, that you can drop an ad in front of somebody, but mm. why won't it resonate? And I go to your point uh, about the representation of women in that ad, and it wasn't going to hit the mark. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, mm. I mean, I'm sure, though, you, you as you know, marketers do so much research, uh, but... And I think um, um, it was mentioned earlier 
that research is su- suggesting how fast we are changing. Mm-hmm. And if marketers or advertisers don't change, then it's, you know, at your own peril kind of. So, like I said, it, it kind of really boggles my mind as to mm-hmm. why this is not happening. I guess one of the other things about ethnic media as well is that we can't also put all the responsibility on ethnic media mm-hmm. as well. Like you are ethnic, so, you know, you have to change all of this. Um, it definitely has to be working together to yeah. change this. And mainstream media has to play its part in it as well. I think SBS does quite well in terms of um, some of the, you know, the radio, like Urdu radio, Punjabi, Hindi, mm. all of that is really good. But again, I'm not quite sure what the audience how uh, of that is. Mm. Well, I, I know that there is a cry for more uh, Hindi radio, for instance. Mm. Like I know that the that that doesn't cover. You, you can speak to some people, and there and there isn't enough. Mm. So, uh, I mean, how confident? How much support does the government have for uh, this sort of group? I would I would mm. thought it would be in the government's interest to actually uh, support anybody that wanted to expand media. Sadly, the situation we are in at the moment, governments are just keep cutting funding out of mm-hmm. even community radio, for instance. Um, and, and I think, again, um, that is going to be quite disastrous for um, ethnic, um, you know, kind of uh, media as well. I think there needs to be much more support from the government to get this going. Mm. And once it has reached, um, you know, a, le- a certain level, then, you know, ad- through advertising or through um, you know, f- fundraising, there's a lot of community radio that try and raise funds to supplement government funding. Yeah. But there has to be a basic level of government funding mm. to allow these things to flourish. Just interestingly, my, my background a long time ago was, is, is mainly print. And I, we would deal with, I'll say, thousands of newspapers over the years around the world. And I think the biggest newspapers, some of the biggest newspapers in the world at the moment in terms of size are some of the Chinese newspapers in Australia. Mm-hmm. It's quite remarkable. They wow. are, there's a, they're leading the way, and, um, and we're sitting with uh, news and Fairfax newspapers almost down to nothing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we, it's all online, right? Yeah. It's like job cuts and everything is happening because papers are not selling. We know that. Yeah. Even the Daily Telly. Is not doing that well anymore, <laughs> thankfully. Sorry, <laughs> but if you but if you look at if you look at that as well, and you and you were sitting in the boardrooms of News Limited, you might say, well, if we accommodate the Chinese community more, we might be able to service that community and find you know lengthen our life a little bit. <laughs> so in terms of print, but also in the digital format as well. And that goes to your point. I, I think that the um, mainstream media needs to take a greater role as well. Oh, it, it, it has to. It's way, way over time. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And I, I just would love, it would be great if we could have that conversation now because I don't have too much time. I've got to rush back <laughs> to Parliament soon about why isn't, is, it isn't happening. Yeah. Like, George, what's your uh, my, kind of view uh, well, of my, that? My experience uh, and having worked at both News and Fairfax in senior management positions is that it doesn't, I think this is, might be the same for politics, until it starts to register on the dial, it won't register in the business office. So, uh, and that's, and that, and there might be that same, I'd be interested to hear from anyone from the ethnic media here who might have a view, because I feel quite strongly that uh, ethnic media, uh, China is, where there's a number of daily newspapers there and very robust uh, digital platforms there, 
But a lot of the other, I'd really like to be able to recommend with confidence a lot more ethnic media in the other diverse groups, and we don't get that. But from a News Limited point of view, having sat in those office, unless that dial moves, you won't get movement into a fringe sport, mm -hmm. an ethnic area, and God forbid you should run um, a multilingual ad in the paper. Mm -hmm. you know, that may have changed now, but uh, so... It's, it's, down to money. it's down to money, readers and, yeah. readers and money. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and that's a conversation that will take mm. time and, and that's the challenge to the people in media now and the people in the marketing roles to, to not just protect the, the, the concept that if you want to advertise to the Pakistani community, you have to advertise uh, in language and in a Pakistani media mm. platform. Mm. That may or may not be the case. It's really about why. Mm -hmm. Is it also because there's still this dominant perception of a certain kind of Australia, yes. which is white, which is Anglo-Celtic? Maybe that's still in people's heads mainly, and mm. we haven't changed that idea, that view of what modern contemporary Australia looks like. And maybe it is, and because we do that because it's not represented yeah. anywhere. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. What comes first? Well, it's, yeah. it's interesting when you talk about the representation of um, diverse media in uh, programming on TV and you talk about you know all, all people behind the camera and you talk about employ people for their talent and I think also it made me think also employ people for the story mm. the story is that a quarter of Australia doesn't speak English at home there's a there's a story there. if you're telling a story about a street in outer Melbourne or Sydney the story is that there's diversity there mm. absolutely yeah. there is there are brilliant stories out there <laughs> which have to be told yeah Okay, any questions? We're getting into a conversation just between ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> or comments. <laughs> uh, I, uh, Lars, is my name. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you. My question is, uh, I, I probably should say at the outset, I thoroughly enjoy, enjoy your address and thank you for, you for your views. Thank you. Um, there's been a conversation here and I've been listening intently of the two of you as to how the problem, and it's, I think, acknowledged by everybody in the room that there is a problem, um, how it's addressed. And my suggestion would be that in radio and television, at the present, to obtain a licence, you have to supply so much Australian content. So, for example, the radio stations have to play so much Australian music. Mm -hmm. The television stations also have to supply so much community content as well as Australian content. This is a, a federal legislation, I acknowledge that, but perhaps that's the answer. Mm. So that, that uh, those requirements are expanded. Your mm. comments? Um, yeah, but I don't know what the percentage of those uh, Australian content, content is. Is it different for different organisations? No, it's yeah. universal for all it's commercial universal, radio yeah. stations, yeah. for example. So what you're suggesting is it should be more... Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. so that the, there be requirements yeah. federally. Yeah. This is communications minister who's re responsible for this aspect. Mm -hmm. But it, I don't see that it's impossible to mm. expand those guidelines. Yeah, no, absolutely it's not. But I guess I go back to that other, the core question of whatever Australian content we have at the moment still doesn't have mm. that diversity. Oh. So I, I would completely agree that, yes, we should have more. We ha have immense talent in Australia. Why wouldn't we, why shouldn't we see more of it on our screen and on radio? But 
we still we don't want to see more of the same is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree with your point, mm. but that's not mm. what I'm saying. I'm saying mm. that there be an addition to mm. that actually incorporates and encourages and in, in effect forces multicultural representation. Mm. I mean, I, I think there is something to be said about setting benchmarks. Um, even sometimes quotas work in certain situations. So that's something, that's definitely something that needs to be explored. I agree. Because we haven't, by letting it flourish as it is, it hasn't flourished really. So something has to change. It does. Yep. Okay. Um, I, I think we'd all like to thank Mary for taking no. time out of a very busy schedule to come and speak to us today. Sorry, one more. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yep. <laughs> sorry, George. Uh, my name's Scott. I'm from Spots and Space. So we represent 650 different multicultural media across Australia. Um, I've appreciated everything that's been said, and you're right about the government, uh, I think, changing that. Without that 7 to 10% being spent by governments into multicultural media, most of them are community-based and they no longer exist. I previously worked with gay and lesbian media, and they could see the value in the gay market, and I'm looking at her where they would say, no, we only want to advertise to gay men, not lesbians because uh, they believe that they had a higher income. How do we get advertising agencies and creatives to see the value is not just, because some of the values of the quintiles, Chinese, Indian, Arabic, are all growing in their wealth. But there's others that actually, normal markets, I've, rep I've gone to most agencies in Australia and the executives, all keen for it. But the moment it goes up the change within an advertising agency, it's a no-go. They use the excuse of legals, terms and conditions, too costly for creative. How do we, how do we resolve that within agencies to actually be able to make multicultural communities and their audiences more palatable to an advertising senior member to be able to, the decision makers, the stakeholders, to invest on behalf of their clients. I think that's more a question for ah. George. <laughs> okay, no, got very strong views on that. The, the, uh, the way to do it is to make it very simple and make it very clear and, and to take away the vested interests because 7 to 10% mandate is good because it keeps not, you know, that, that mandate is for ethnic media, but then there's mandates to spend it in regional and all sorts of things. So that, that's great for all those regional papers it's, and, and for ethnic papers and, and media, sorry, not just newspapers. The, the problem is that, there's, that in an agency, you've got three people working on a $10 million account uh, and the last thing they want is to get the government in trouble or to get their client in trouble. Now, we, you, we all need to make that very easy for them to sell through. And that's, that's all it is. Because if, if, it's, if it's viable to advertise to the Indian community or the Pakistani or the Chinese community, uh, then it's viable. But as long as, as long as there is a real benefit to that client, they can see it, uh, and that it's easy to do. And the fact that if I want to run a standard ad across Chinese websites in Australia, I can't. They're either all taken or the, the, st the sizes aren't standardised. So it makes it really, really difficult to get a, a, a big national or international brand 
to run easy campaigns across Chinese media, Chinese international media. So we need to make it really easy. So if you're working with the Chinese media, if, if you are the Chinese media, then think about that. Think about how if you accommodate the national brands and not just the local market, that will introduce more, med more for you. But it's a work in progress for everybody. It's stepping away from being really protected in ethnic media and actually saying, we need now to push into the mainstream. As much as they need to push into diversity and understand diversity, we need to push into the mainstream too. And there's a lot of work to be done in the ethnic media space. But, and I hope we do. That's, that's got to happen. You've been listening to a special edition of the Ad News podcast from our Ad News Live Reframing Australia event. Check out our website for more content. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.